Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. Hey, just a reminder that you are invited to join us for the 2022 Rising Above fundraiser one special night. Now it's coming up this Thursday, November the 3rd at 6.30 p.m. Central. And you can watch via the Rising Above Facebook page or on the Rising Above website. And you do not want to miss this night because it's going to be so fun and so encouraging. And you will hear stories of how God is using Rising Above to impact the disability community. And we so hope that you will make your plans to join us for this fun and encouraging night. And for more information, you can just visit our website, risingaboveministries.org. Now, my guest today is Molly Hoffman, and Molly is a single mom to two boys, and her five-and-a-half-year-old son, Rowan, is on the autism spectrum. She has volunteered with us here at Rising Above for several years, and she began her journey with children with special needs while she was attending college. After she received her master's in special education, she realized that her son was exhibiting some of the characteristics of ASD, and shortly thereafter, they received their diagnosis. Molly is such an encouragement to me, and I know that you will love getting to know her in this episode. So here is my friend, Molly Hoffman. Hey, Molly, how are you doing today? I'm good, Becky. How about yourself? Hey, it's good. It's a sunny, beautiful day here in Cookville, Tennessee. You are actually just across the road from me almost, you know, other side of the road of me in Cookville. We are neighbors here in our small little town. And so that's fun. Absolutely. Yes. We're definitely close by and wouldn't, yes. wouldn't want to be close by to anyone else. So, Oh, <laughs> you're sweet. You are sweet. And, you know, we, we've known each other for a little while. Like I've known you because you have volunteered at Rising Above for years and been a part of Night to Shine and helping, you know, with different activities that we've had going on. But you now are kind of part of our family because you are a mom to a sweet son who's on the spectrum. So just introduce yourself real quick to our listeners so they can know a little bit more about you. Absolutely. So um, I started out with um, Rising Above Ministries, like uh, you mentioned, Becky, as a volunteer. Uh, My work Place and I decided to serve. Um, I believe our first serving opportunity was at um, by the brook, actually. Oh, um, wow, yeah. We served we served mothers um, there first, and then we uh, continued to volunteer when um, things arise. You know, different events, um, night to shine, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I really just grew very fond of the ministry and wanted to get plugged in as often as I could, even if it was external from stuff that my workplace did. Um, but I also later on down the line, as I was volunteering, um, more often, I also, um, had my son Rowan. Um, and when I had my son Rowan, um, you know, I, it was just him, it's just him and I. And so mm-hmm. for a couple of years, we, uh, it was just him and I kind of working things out, but I, I noticed, um, you know, as Rowan developed, I just started to have a feeling um, mm. that something was, um, different about him. And I use that, um, and not, in, you know, not negatively, but I just was like, I'm noticing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I have to say, I have to give a little bit of my background as far as, 
Um, I went to school for special education. Um, Mm -hmm. I went for education and then got my master's in special education. And so I tried, I thought, well, am I projecting, (laughs) you know, Mm, So, and I just didn't feel comfortable um, making that diagnosis, but um, obviously I'm not a doctor, but um, (laughs) anyway, uh, so once I discovered and I went to the doctor and got confirmation um, of Rowan's diagnosis of being on the autism spectrum, um, I took a um, big nosedive into being a part of the actual Mm -hmm. events that were occurring with Rising Above. Um, I was at, you know, that's something that I've always done is when situations arise, I don't sit back and wait mm-hmm. for things to happen. I get involved yeah. and get down on, you know, get down on the ground. And get to start, it, yeah. yeah and, get, and get to it um, because I really feel that knowledge is, mm-hmm. you know, is the most important thing that you can have and community um, yeah. as something I was seeking as a mother mm-hmm. who is new to the diagnosis as mm-hmm. a parent. Um, obviously, yeah. I had experience with the diagnosis in multiple ways um, through my volunteering with our ministry at our church and also through, um, you know, my education. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's totally different when when you are on the other side of the table. I remember I used to teach school before I had John Alex and I would be in IEP meetings, you know, as the teacher but that very first IEP meeting where I'm on the other side of the table as the parent, it's a whole new game. Absolutely. You know, and so that was kind of you coming in as a volunteer. You've seen it from that side. You've seen it from your education part piece. But then when you flip to the other side of the table, uh, it feels a little bit different, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it certainly does. And it definitely, um, it one of the things that I definitely felt was a sense of, of, I already had respect for, for these strong women who have been walking this life much longer than I was, but the respect Mm. grew even larger, um, Mm. when it was directly affecting me and and my son and how we, you know, how things were changing for us, the being able to be around other people who have walked that life and had that, Mm. you know, like I said, just giving that opportunity, um, for community with them and support. So important. And, you know, you, you came, I had a mom's night out at my house here recently and uh, you, you are faithful to come to those nights that we do. And it's so fun. And you were here at the, at the last one that we did. And what was so cool, we played a game and, and, but it was so helpful because through that game, I got to know you and the other moms so much better. And I learned so many things about you that I did not know. And, and part of that was learning about your childhood and um, the loss that you experienced as a young child. So share a little bit about that and how that impacted your journey now as a mom yourself. Absolutely. Um, So uh, at a young age, um, my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer when I was 10. Um, And when we got the diagnosis, the doctor uh, gave us the prognosis of about six months before she would um, pass. And we, you know, obviously were devastated by that. Um, we were fortunate enough to have three full years after diagnosis with my mom. Um, however, due to the demand of the cost of medical bills and just um, the necessity for us to have some sort of financial lifeline, my father had to work quite a bit. Um, and so because of that, my sisters are a few years older than I was or am, and 
they had to do other things. So they weren't really available to assist my mom. Um, she was primarily uh, capable of doing most things, but um, I did take over as primary caregiver for her. Wow. Um, she, at 10 years old. At yeah, 10 years old. Um, yeah. Between the ages yeah. of 10 and 13, I became mm-hmm. um, a primary caregiver for an adult woman. Um, so, you know, that it, it ranged some days, you know, it was just, you know, given, making sure she got all of her medications and food and mm-hmm. stuff. And other days it was, okay, we're going to, I'm going to have to do everything. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to drain this and I'm going to have to help her go to the bathroom and I'm going to have to bathe her and things like that. Mm-hmm. It did change progressively um, yeah. for her and I. Um, yeah. But I, I always tell people, I tell that story to tell this part. Um, I had the best opportunity Mm. And I am forever grateful for that experience. Mm. Um, I believe it has shaped and made me the person that I am today. Um, And that is something that no other person in my family got to experience. Um, Some people would look at it as a negative, but gosh, Mm -hmm. I I don't. um, Because I got three years of quality time with her. uh, Then I'll, you know, that I may have never gotten had I not had that experience. Um, Those are the, those are the days that, you know, us as girls, I mean, that's teenage years when we're supposed to be, you know, a little difficult mm-hmm. to handle, but it, I think I bypassed that and was able to just be in the moment with my mom and experience that closeness and love that I don't, like I said, nobody else had that opportunity. Yeah. I was very blessed. What a beautiful perspective on that, Molly, because, you know, not everyone would look at it that way, but that you can see that now, um, that that was a gift to you, you know, even though it was so unimaginably hard, you know, that you can see that as a gift. And how did that loss at such a young, you know, that's such an impressionable age, you know, you're just turning into your teenage years when you lost your mom. How did that impact you um, losing your mom so early on? I think that the main impact it had on me um, is kind of like a negative and a positive per se. So Mm -hmm. when my mom passed, um, I was before she passed, I should say, I was attending a church on a regular basis. My dad made it a point to take me and pick me up, you know, in between going to the hospice towards the end, she was put in hospice and he made a point to take me. And, you know, I went and I was very um, adamant about that. And then after my mom passed, I did go through a period where I was angry and mm-hmm. I walked away. Um, I feel like a lot of us experience that. I mm-hmm. know I'm not alone in that. Um, but I know that after that, it went through a, you know, a little period where I just wasn't going to church and I wasn't doing um, any studies or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But then a few years later, um, I walked through some personal stuff with um, a significant other of mine, and it brought me back to church. Mm. and I had to sit to unpack all of what um, I kind of stepped away and walked away from. Um, But um, the loss of my mother is, has made me, like I said, it's has shaped me Mm. into the person I am today. And I believe that I was put in that position and I was in that honorable position so that I would be prepared to be a mom Mm -hmm. um, and to care for my children the way that I, um, yeah. know is the best way, um, yeah. and just have that, um, opportunity to, to be the best mom that I can be yeah. and care for them the way 
that I should. I was given a great example through my mom um, as far as her being a mom herself, but I also got to care for her. Um, and that, like I said, that's just shaped me and made me a more mm-hmm. mature and, uh, pa- yeah. you know, somewhat patient person um, mm-hmm. to walk through everything that we've walked through in the last three years. Yeah. Well, you know, I know you said that you have a degree in special ed. And so often there's there's a reason why you go into special ed. A lot of people don't just pick that on their own, but did did your journey with your mom, did that play into that decision of choosing uh, to go that route and getting your degree in special ed? I think so. I mean, one of the things that I really learned from that experience was, you know, every person has, you know, something going on in their life. And my perspective is more of how everyone still has the opportunity to learn. Everyone, Mm -hmm. every person, no matter their walk in their life, they have an opportunity to, and should have an opportunity to learn however is best for them. And, um, I think with my mom, um, I I just had such a connection with her, but it was more of just wanting to help people and wanting everyone to succeed and wanting everyone to have the opportunity to do so. Um, Mm -hmm. Something that really was frustrating to me is one of my family members um, on my mom's side has um, an adult son with autism and he is also nonverbal. Um, and he has a couple other health concerns that I'm not 100% aware of, but um, his family did not really um, allow him the opportunity to be in school. He was um, cared for at home and never really um, taken out into experiencing public education or any kind of um, thing in public either. You know, we I explained um, recently that, you know, when we would go to family events, he would just be in a room by himself. And mm-hmm. none of us kids were allowed to go in there. We weren't, mm-hmm. you know, allowed to play with him when we were younger, that is. Um, but between him and just knowing that I wanted to be there to support other people mm-hmm. when they're walking through things, um, that just led me down that path of special education and just mm-hmm. wanting the opportunity for every child or adult to have the education yeah. that they want at the best way possible. And that's one of the things I love about you. You have got the biggest heart. People who know you will agree with me. You have got a heart of gold and just love people so, so well. And you also have a big dream. You have a dream of something that mm-hmm. if you if you were sharing this the other night, um, what share what your dream is. What is your heart for the for the um, disability community? Absolutely. So um one of the things that I shared is I did go to school and get my master's in education, um, but also special education, but also um, business administration. And a lot of people ask me why those two things are just very different. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, I have a dream. Um, you know, I'd really love the opportunity to open a preschool that is designed for integration. So children, um, especially, you know, basically any child can come to that location and feel accepted um, and not only that, but also children will see the diversity um, mm-hmm. within that those classrooms. So it doesn't, you know, it kind of removes that um, difference uh, mm-hmm. perspective. You know, people seeing the differences in one another. Um, but I just want to, I want something where a child, 
uh, who, you know, a child with special needs or a child of the quote unquote ma- mainstream status can come in and they can learn about each other and learn to support each other, but also still receive their education. Um, it's just exposure and the opportunity for diversity to be evident early on so that, yeah. you know, like for us, like I mentioned, you know, my cousin was just kept at home and mm-hmm. my, I, I would dare say that my family was embarrassed um, and mm-hmm. didn't feel comfortable bringing him out in yeah. public because yeah. he did things that they were, like I said, embarrassed of. Right. So that was something that I just, I wanted all children to have the, the opportunity to experience friendship and to experience um, a connection and community. Like I said, I feel like yeah. that's probably a little theme we're running with here, but yeah, community, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. And that can happen through a, a preschool that is designed to mm-hmm. accommodate and um, bring in all walks. Yeah. So Rowan now is how old? He's, is he five? Five and a half. Yeah. Okay. We don't want to forget the half. So yeah. we're going to get the it's half in there because he. <laughs> I was going to say, if he's listening, because actually Rowan is an avid listener of the podcast with you. Yes. I think you know, okay, ours drop on Tuesdays. And what was it you shared with me the other day? You were listening to the podcast and... Yeah, he... I listen to the podcast in the morning um, when I'm getting ready. So I get up a little earlier than the boys so I can be ready so that when they wake up, I can kind of help guide them as they get ready. But... He walks in, you know, sometimes he'll get up a little earlier and come in there and he'll, he came in and he goes, that's Becky. <laughs> he knows, <laughs> so he knows your voice. because he, he knows my voice. Every Tuesday. <laughs> every Tuesday. He's listening to the podcast. I love that. So Rowan, we give you a shout out, buddy. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, he will probably be listening with you. So uh, Rowan, tell us a little bit about Rowan and kind of what his day to day life is like. What are some of the ways that the autism presents? Absolutely. So with Rowan, um, you know, one of the things that we've always struggled with is uh, people understanding him and when he does have an uh, outburst, for lack of a better word, or he has Mm -hmm. a situation where he's just challenged in the um, environment. We experience um, a lot of, I would, I don't want to say judgment, but just misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the quotes that I've heard from people, I'm sure a lot of people can relate is he doesn't look autistic. Mm -hmm. He, he speaks so well. Um, that's another one. Um, cause I, I think just due to ignorance, people think, you know, if a child is on the spectrum, they can't talk and they, you know, Mm -hmm. and they are also have a look about them, which is neither are accurate for every child on the spectrum. Um, but with Rowan, um, we do a lot of routine, a lot of scheduling. Um, and we have to really, I call it priming. I don't know if that's a technical term, really. I don't feel like it is, but that's what I call it. Hey, listen, it it works in your life. And so, yeah, that's great. So, um, with Rowan, I always have, um, a couple things that we instituted that I've seen great success with. Um, one of my main priorities is for Rowan to function at the highest level that he can, um, with, by himself. Um, I want him to feel the independence and the, um, I want him to feel independent and I want him to be excited about that. So we've created, we've created some, um, morning and evening schedules or picture, picture schedules with words at the bottom, just so that he can kind of, as he's learning, um, reading and stuff, he can use that, but he knows, uh, that's his guideline. He does everything himself, um, using that. And it's also our way of guiding him back if he gets distracted or if he 
um, gets overwhelmed. It's our way to come back. This is our reset. This is where we're at. This is what we're doing. I also use a large um, piece of board on the on our fridge. It has a picture of where he's going that day. Um, most of the time at school, but he likes to know if he's going anywhere else. We've got pictures of our grandparents' house. We have pictures of our church, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's just a large picture. And then that way he can ask um, me, but then he also can just self-aware uh, with that. But um, so those are kind of the some of the tools that I use Mm -hmm. with him. Um, But we also, um, one of the questions or part of the question you asked was about how it presents and what we notice most. Um, With Rowan, most of what we experience um, is more social emotional. Um, Mm -hmm. He has a hard time understanding when people don't want to be with him and don't want to be his friend um, or he assumes that they don't want to be his friend if they just Mm -hmm. don't want to play with them that day. Um, So we walk through a lot of, um, just explanation. And sometimes at the end of it, he still doesn't really feel like it's like, he doesn't feel comfortable in that situation. He does feel Mm -hmm. like he's not, um, like he, he just feels like they don't want to be his friend. Um, Mm. but a lot of times what I've known or what I've done is I have just, you know, reminded him about, um, you know, that I love him and that his family loves him and God loves him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sometimes people don't want to always be around you, but we're, we always want to be around you and God is always with you. Mm-hmm. And those are things that I remind of him of on a daily basis. Um, yeah. We do a lot of uh, praise and worship. That's where Rowan really connects, um, mm-hmm. which he comes by and honestly, cause that's me too. Um, yeah. And so one of the things I shared is, we, he's been having a really hard time at school. Um, his teacher and him are not, we're not really finding that good middle ground for him. Um, and so one of the things he said, you know, him and I have about a seven to 10 minute stretch of time while I'm driving him from his brother's school to his, um, where we're alone together. And so we don't really have, um, too much time, but he, one morning he said, mommy, I just don't want to go to school. And I said, you know, well, you know, why, why, what, what is it? Is there something I can help, you know, with, or something I can do to make it easier for you? He said, I just don't want to go. And I said, well, what can we do? And he said, I want to listen to, to Waymaker. And I said, okay. And he, and I was like, okay, I can do that. We can listen to it. He's like, I just, I just want to listen to that because it may, it reminds me that no matter what I'm going through, God is with me. And I don't want to go to school, but he'll be with me. And I think I can make it through. So this is coming from a five and a half year old. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that just is what I always come back to for, you know, as far as like about Rowan and what I, you know, one of the things I love about him is he always, always, always comes to me with, with some kind of word it's like he you know god is speaking through him to me sometimes and i know that sounds a little bit out of sorts but it's true you know there are times when i am at my lowest and my son a five and a half year old child with autism who some people would say where you know where did that come from and it's like mm-hmm. that's that's god speaking through him and sometimes mm-hmm. it's for him and sometimes it's for me and sometimes it's mm-hmm. just so profound to me to hear him and the things that come from him. Um, it's just amazing. 
so that's, I mean, that's just a little bit of Rowan. And, you know, there's so much to learn still that I'm still learning every day as his mom. So. Well, it's so sweet. And when you, you shared that story with me recently and I thought, oh, how beautiful, you know, like you so often people will look at our kids and, and think that they don't even have, they don't have that in them to have that understanding and that deep level and to hear that story of him and, and knowing that God's going to go with him to school and that he can go and not be afraid. I think that's so sweet. And I love that you are instilling that in him. You know, you are teaching him that and you are instilling that in him. And I think that is so beautiful. And you know, when you look at this, you, you're new on the journey. You've got, it's been what, three years since you got your di- the, his diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so what's something that's, that's surprising that you've learned about yourself? Maybe something you didn't know about Molly that you've learned in these mm-hmm. last three years of being on this new path that you're on uh, with, the, with the diagnosis that you all deal with daily. I would say something that I've learned is that I also enjoy these schedules and the Ah. things that he utilizes. It's like, ah, this is nice for everyone. So one of the things that we do is we pick out our clothes each week. And so Rowan has his own sets of drawers. They are labeled, you know, tops, bottoms, underwear, socks. He picks one of each thing out and then sets it in a little sleeve labeled by day. So he has that independence factor, the opportunity to to do that. But, um, he, I used to do it for him and now he does it himself, but he likes to come in and even help me do it for me. He likes to pick out those things, but it's, but to answer the question, um, that's something that I've noticed. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I love the, the, the regu- you know, just mm-hmm. that regularity and knowing this is what, and I've noticed in myself that I get a little flustered and overwhelmed when things mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm, it gives me knowing his diagnosis and knowing how we handle situations together has created the opportunity for me to grow a little bit and mm. for me to be able to say, okay, here's what is overwhelming to you. How can yeah. you take that out or figure out a way that is best for you to handle it? Cause that's what I do for Rowan. So yeah. It has just gained knowledge from that perspective of just, okay, this is how I diffuse, you know, the situation with Ron. Well, I mm-hmm. probably need to learn how to do that for myself. That is so cool. That is great. So yes, your son is teaching you the importance of routines and schedules and takes the pressure off. So that's, mm-hmm. that's amazing. So Molly, so you're a single mom. I'm a single mom. Uh, you have another son as well. Yes. And, um, and he's how old now? He's a year and a half. <laughs> He's a year and a half. So exactly. we've got a five and a half, yeah. a year and a half. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and, and so, you know, uh, the single parent life is challenging and it's hard. And so often people can be judgmental when they look at the lives of our children. And so that can come into play too in our lives as single parents. And so what is it you want people to know? What do you want people to know about you and your family? And how do you hope people see you guys? Um, I would say that something that is super important for me um, is that uh, what I struggle with sometimes, I should say, is that Rowan is often uh, seen as spoiled or um, babied. I've heard that too. Mm -hmm. Um, This is just a few things that people who even are close to me have said, um, you know, you just, 
you need to tell them to listen. All these things Mm, that are just totally off base, incorrect. I feel like for our family, uh, where it's important to us that we do what is best for each individual involved. Um, So it's important for me as a mother to be fed um, outside of my family. So I take specific time for myself. You know, we have mom's um, coffee talk on Tuesday mornings. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I partake in that is super important to me. I make it a priority to make sure I'm there, even if it's for 30 minutes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. You got to speak to work. Yeah. I still make it happen. And uh, we've been doing, you know, We've been doing our book study and our Mm -hmm. community group. I love that. But like I said, it's important for me as a mom to be fed outside and to have things that I enjoy doing and going to Mm do um, because I can't I can't give to my children what I don't have already um, as far as peace and and, you know, less Mm -hmm. stress and all those things. Um, But as a family, you know, Rowan and Rowan, Waylon and I, uh, we do wake up every day and do the best that we can. And mm-hmm. it doesn't always look the same every single day, even with the schedule. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, you know, we have really focused in on our relationship with God. It's important mm-hmm. to us. Um, yeah. It's important to me that my children know God because um, I remember the years between my mom passing and me coming back uh, to church and how dark those days were. Mm-hmm. And I remember how much um, heartache I had for various reasons. Um, and I just know that there is no other place that I want my children to grow up going to um, and getting the fed the word of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, my church is phenomenal. Um, what I do as far as serving goes is something that feeds me every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but with my boys, it's important to me that we just have that opportunity um, to grow closer to God. And that like Rowan said, uh, he's always with us and yeah. um, he knows that. And that, mm-hmm. you know, him saying that just, you know, affirms that us that, yeah. you know, he's listening and he understands. Yeah. So, so I know, you know, life as a single mom, you're working You've got your kids you're taking care of, but something I've respected about you that I've seen you do, you have got a really great support system in place. And I know that that's hard to do sometimes to reach out and say, you know, I need some help here. I need some, I need somebody to come alongside me, but you have done a really good job. That's one of the things I've noticed about you and this walk. So how have you gone about doing that? How have you gone about creating the support team who is on the team with you guys to do life together? I think that um, I don't want to take a whole lot of credit because I feel like God has brought these people mm, into my life. Yes, I truly do. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just the stories behind it. Um, some of these, you know, these people who have come alongside me and supported me as a mom um, to two boys. It's just incredible to me. Uh, but I have really um, just, I just, um, have always sought after people who are like me and want to support, like I support other people just like mm-hmm. they support me. And yeah. although, you know, primarily um, I'm not able to offer a whole lot, but when I can, I will. Um, mm-hmm. You know, something that I 
am a firm believer in is that you can't do it alone. Parents, even parents, uh, you know, non-single parents, you know, when there's a mom and a dad or, or what have you, but you know, there's still those situations where you need other people. You need the opportunity to, Hey, this is what I got going on. What do, what do mm-hmm. I do? You know, you need yes. those people to, and not just necessarily like, Hey, you know, can you take Rowan to therapy today? I'm at work until this time, or, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to work t- tonight. So can you take him to get his haircut? That's actually happening tonight. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Real life. Yeah. Real life. Um, but it's not even about that. It's about supporting one another um, overall. So I try mm-hmm. to extend my support in other ways, even though I'm not necessarily capable of, mm-hmm. you know, picking up and taking and doing all the things that some people do for me. Um, I try mm-hmm. to reciprocate in other ways um, just by supplying mm-hmm. support because sometimes, yeah. you know, People will reach out to me and I'm trying my best to be responsive as possible, just quickly mm-hmm. and efficiently get back to those people. Cause I, yeah. you know, know that sometimes they need just some encouragement. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they need, I just, you know, I'll text them and be like, do you want me just to come get them? Like, you know, like, what yes. can I do? you know, um, and that's the nice thing about the community and the people that I've surrounded myself with They're, you know, of good quality and supporting Mm -hmm. and they love me like I love them. So Mm -hmm. I think that's such an important piece is that uh, you are giving where you can, you, you are giving back, you are helping others in the areas where you can. And it's that reciprocation back and forth of helping each other. And then it just, it, it works when we're all doing what we can do. And so that's one of the things I've known about you, you serve, you do, you give, and yet, out of that, people so want to to give back and mm-hmm. help you. And one of the ways that you give and you serve is actually at your local church uh, in the special needs ministry there. So tell us about that and uh, what what you do with your home church. So um, back when I went back to church, I started going to Life Church back in 2010. Um, I started attending there just one Sunday. Um, I decided to go. I sat, you know, in the middle of the church and was like, oh, <laughs> uh, lots of people here. Yeah. here. I, this is, it was uncomfortable. There's lots of people here. It was uncomfortable because I hadn't been there in several years. Um, but that morning they had announced an opportunity to get plugged in with the church. You go through a little uh, program. It was called Apex at the time, but I went through that program uh, and at the end of it, they had like a serving uh, fair. So all these tables were set up in the foyer where you could go and look and see Mm -hmm. um, what was available for you to serve, like which ministries were available to serve in. And I just happened upon um, a table that was for Loving Hearts. And at the time, um, that ministry was primarily... um, headed up by uh, Renee Canfield and Sonia Durham. Mm. Um, And so I started, I just felt pulled to the ministry. Um, I think some of what, you know, I've experienced in the past pulled me there, but it also just, like I said, it was a God thing. I always tell people like, he brought me to that table. He Mm. said, you know, he, it was like he delivered it right in front of me and said, here it is, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And this was all pre-Rowan, all pre um, extended education. Uh, so I started serving every Sunday in the ministry. Then, um, fast forward a few years, um, the ministry kind of fell apart a little bit. Um, we had Mm -hmm. unfortunately a passing of one of the people who, um, was 
had serving in that. And so it kind of went away for a while, but, um, after a few years, uh, Jake approached, um, me not too long ago actually, and said, Hey, you know, we've got loving hearts up and running, but the person who is setting it up is decided to step down. Would you want to do it? And I was like, uh, sure. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I was a little like, am I qualified for this? <laughs> am I, uh, yes. <laughs> am I good enough for this? Oh, I had yeah. all kinds oh, of negative self-talk. All the doubts. All yeah. The, yeah. But yeah. I told Jake, I said, let me think about it. Um, I, I think, I, I think yes, but let me just, you know, mm-hmm. think and pray on it. And then it was like, I didn't even get out the front doors and I, and God was like, yep, that's where you're supposed to be. Like it didn't, oh, it wasn't audible it. obviously, but it was a, you know, just this, a feeling and right in the middle of my chest mm-hmm. that was like, this is where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, there, there is where you're supposed to, that was where you're supposed to be all along. So, mm-hmm. um, I started serving in the ministry and I'm still getting my footing. We're, um, still getting the room renovated, um, to the standards slash how we would like it to be just the mm-hmm. likings for our friends. Um, but it is the most wonderful experience. I don't miss a Sunday. You know, people are mm-hmm. like, don't go, don't get burned out. I'm like, I never could list ever do that. It's what lights my fire every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, I've grown, um, in close relationship with the people that I serve with, I've grown in close relationship with the students that I serve. Um, I just love each and every one of them and they all have something amazing to offer. Um, as far as our classroom goes every Sunday is something I learned something new about them and they, you know, like I said, they light my fire. And so I'm so blessed to be in that um, position and I Mm. thoroughly enjoy every part of that. What a gift to all those families who were there. And uh, I just love your servant's heart, Molly. I just think uh, so highly of you. And, and you're, even with all that you have going on and living life and working, you still are giving. And uh, I just respect that so, so, so much. Don't get burnt out though, okay? You know, we're, <laughs> but we've, we've been talking about like ways to not get burnt out, yeah. right? Yes. Through our community group that we just came out of. Yes. And part of that is through restoration. And, you know, this is our year of restoration at Rising Above. And so we're looking at ways that we are allowing God to bring restoration into our lives. So what are some of the things that you're doing right now that's bringing restoration into your life? Well, um, you know, we've been reading our book, um, Get Your Life Back by John mm-hmm. Eldridge. So we read that. And one of the things that he instituted or explained to us was a one minute pause. Mm-hmm. So I started doing those in the morning at 530 when I wake up and at 830 when my kids are hopefully asleep. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Fingers, yes. Fingers crossed. Yes. Sometimes it's nine. Yeah. And, uh, yes. But I do those one minute pauses. That is it's the first thing I do when I wake up. So it mm-hmm. sets the tone for the day. And it's the mm-hmm. last thing I do, you know, in technicality. I, de- I guess it's not, I do read a book after that, but mm-hmm. it is one of the last things I do for the day and it closes it out and allows me some reflection time um, to look back on the day. Uh, but also I've been, uh, you know, we listen to worship music in the morning now on the, in the car, you know, not that we mm-hmm. didn't before, but it's, it's our primary go-to. And some yeah. mornings, if, Rowan is really um, overwhelmed or anxious about the day. It's Waymaker all day. (laughs) On repeat. Yeah. On repeat. Um, And that's okay. You know, I'm here to support him and give him, Mm -hmm. you know, and do whatever I can to make him 
more prepared for the day, but listening to the worship music and connecting to God through that. I mean, like I mentioned, Rowan and I connect the most through that. Um, And so doing the worship and having the opportunity for the one minute pauses, but I've also been making it important for me to get outside. Um, Mm -hmm. That's something else that, that was touched on in the book, but I, I work all day inside and I was, mm-hmm. you know, even on my lunch break, sitting in the break room instead of going outside. And so now with the weather not being so um, hot, I've been able to go out and enjoy my lunch on the picnic table or mm-hmm. um, go sit in the grass in the sun, you know, whatever it may be, and just give that opportunity to let just the natural beauty restore, mm-hmm. my, you know, me. And maybe it's in the middle of the day. It's been a hard day, something with work or you know, maybe it's, it's been a phenomenal day and it's just an ever present reminder of that. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. Well, Molly, thank you so much for sharing part of your story with us. And, um, you're, you are a joy to my heart. So I'm glad to get to introduce you to our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you, Becky. I really appreciate the opportunity to share just a little bit of my story. And I am so thankful for your ministry or for the ministry in general and all the events that you guys host. Like I said, um, I took a nosedive into this ministry when Rowan was diagnosed, and I am so thankful that I did. And Molly, we are so glad that you did. So thank you again so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.